Hello and welcome to A Vague Idea. This is a pseudo-game show podcast hosted by me, Nate Bregolian, with Shannon Page and John Peros. Today we are not coming to you live from the historic Irish snub, but rather from... What do we call this place, Shannon? What do you want to call your home? Oh, my goodness. Um, Certainly not the address, because we don't want the fans coming, uh, bringing their mother-style adoration your way. Um, I, I, in the past, have described this place as where Alan Quartermain would hang out if Tim Burton decorated it. But I don't have a name for it. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I am at a loss. Anybody, anybody have anything? Uh, <laughs> it was kind of like the castle from Edward Scissorhands. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. There you go. So, yeah, we're, we're in the castle from Edward Scissorhands, if you're familiar with that. Um, <clears throat> and things are as bad as it looks. Oh yeah, it's possibly worse. Uh, so we're 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 going into our fifth episode. Is that right? F- number five. Number five. Shannon is back. You just heard her talk. Uh, apparently, the mummy's curse was not strong enough to hold Shannon down. Uh, John and I have done a pretty thorough inspection. She definitely is alive and uh, not covered in bandages or corpse rot or you know wearing the gold or jeweled appendages that maybe a pharaoh or a uh, pharaoh-esque might have been wearing. Just so we should be fine. three-foot radius, all right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, there's a little bit of a musty smell, but it's not, I don't think it's anything to worry about. <laughs> That's not new. <laughs> Today on the show, we have uh, my usual guests, who are with me as always. Oh, thank you. Shannon Page. <laughs> And John Paros. Hi, guys. How are you? Hello. Great. All right. <laughs> Great. And this week we have a special guest, my buddy Brian Dixon. Uh, Brian is a uh, newcomer to the show here. He's a poet, a professor, and uh, I would say a point guard. I tried to alliterate, or at least uh, consonants. Ball and Brian is, is nice. Ball and Brian. We'll, <laughs> we'll go with Ball and Brian. Great. Well, welcome to the show, Brian. How are you today? Ah, uh, Fabulous. All right. Well, great. Uh, Brian, you're familiar with how the, the program works, or do you want me to run through it real quick? No idea. Okay. <laughs> well, great. Hey, that's you're already on, on track. So I'm going to go through a list of ten topics. We're going to go in a circle. Each one of you is going to kind of pick a number, which will lead to a topic. The topic will be revealed, and then the person who chose the topic will decide whether they uh, know it, they kind of get it, or they only have a vague idea, uh, at which point we'll continue around the circle, and then we will start with whomever has the least idea. They will start saying what they know about it, possibly earning a point or a half a point along the way, and we will go until we get to whomever knows it best, and they will explain, and as long as everybody's telling the truth, we'll divvy out some points, and we'll be ready to go. Uh, there's a little dog named Xander here tonight, who you might hear snorting in the background, or he may bark. I don't know. Xander, do you bark? No, he's not much of a barker. Xander says no. Um, But we're happy to have you here. Uh, So that's pretty much how it works. Uh, There will be points. Uh, We didn't get any submissions for what to call the thing we're winning tonight. So we're going to call it the uh, Alan Quartermain, Edward Scissors (laughs) Hand of Justice. Uh, Hopefully that justice will prevail today. It's... uh, it's midterm election day. We won't know what the results are, and you will, but it'll be too late to save us. All right. Shall we begin? You guys excited? I'm sorry. Let's Xander roll with it. Xander's excited. 
Alexander, you're doing great. Just keep it going, bud. I know. We, we love you. Keep playing with that duck. He's digging the musty smell from Egypt. Oh, yeah. Egypt duck smells. Um, all right. So we start the game by uh, doing a round of Rochambeau uh, to see who goes first. So, everybody, it's going to be one, two, three, and then shoot. And then we'll determine who goes first through a process of elimination. Okay, you guys ready? Wait, three people? Yeah, it's very thorough. Three people, Rochambeau? It worked last week, too. Everybody thinks this is a problem. It's not, I promise. Okay, okay. One, two, three, shoot. Wait, did we just do it? No. Okay. We'll do it. You lost anyway, but I was so enthusiastic. You were ready, but you threw scissors while they were palming rocks. So let's just go. Ready? Okay. One, two, three, shoot. Okay? I'm out. Shannon's out. John versus Brian. I had paper. One. For the people at home. One, two, three, shoot. Oh! Rock. John wins. John Paros. I don't have the scissors of justice. I'm sorry. Well, they're not a scissor hand. They were just individual scissors. And, Good or old even rock. In, in some cultures, people just Can't refer to them as rock. a scissor, don't they? <clears throat> I always thought that was quaint. Um, John, uh, one through ten. How do you feel? I feel pretty good. I feel pretty good about number one. You want to? All right. Well, hey, number one is going to mirror uh, one that we did a a couple, well, yeah, last episode. So last episode we did a round about uh, Bush songs and naming them. That's the band Bush, which no one remembers, apparently. Um, This time, the uh, round is naming four of the political parties in history that have won the presidency. There are more than four. John, uh, do you know it? Do you kind of get it? Or do you only have a vague idea? Mm, I can't name more than a couple, so I guess that would be a vague idea. Going with vague ideas. Shannon? Oh, I'm going to have to go with vague idea as well. Vague idea as well. Brian, can you name more than maybe two? John, John's got two. I mean, we should all have two. <laughs> <clears throat> One would hope. Yeah. <laughs> um, Federalists? Well, you, you got to bid first. Oh, bid. Kind of know it. Right? Okay. You're going with kind of I'm going in the middle? All right. You're going in the middle. John, let's start with you. Yeah, I think that obviously the uh, Democrats and the Republicans are a gimme. Okay. Um, I'm sure that there were some older ones that I'm not as aware of, so. All right. Democrats and Republicans for John. Shannon, can you add anything? I'm going to add Federalist. Hey, (laughs) that was a good use of... Brian we not that. Yeah, that's all I got. So okay, so Dems, Republicans, and Federalists for Shannon. Brian, can you can you add on top of that? Wigs. Hey, great, good work, Brian. You have succeeded, and you have earned yourself a point. <laughs> so it's a point for Brian, half a point for Shannon. John gets no points. I'm just feeling ruthless today. I don't know. Well, we'll see what happens later. Last game, I tried to give everybody a tie score going into the last round, and it was called by John a travesty, <laughs> <laughs> which which was accurate. So everybody at the table agreed with me, though. Yeah, no, no, um, I was I was wrong to do that. Other other parties that you could have named were the Democratic Republicans, ah. who held power under Jefferson, uh, Quincy Adams, and one other, and then there was also the National Union Party, which was Abraham Lincoln's party. 
post-Civil War, or hmm. for the second term of his presidency, and then Andrew Johnson's party during the period of time when Andrew Johnson took over after Lincoln was assassinated. Let's go on to the next round. Brian, you get to pick a number between one and nine now. There are nine remaining topics. <sighs> Seven. Seven. Okay. All right. Brian Dixon, do you know about, you kind of get, or do you only have a vague idea when it comes to the Kelly Blue Book? A vague idea. Vague idea <laughs> on Kelly Blue Book. John. Mm, about the Kelly Blue Book, I have at least a vague idea. Okay. Yeah. At least a vague idea. Shannon? I can't believe you're not going higher on that. I don't Come know on. if it's a vague idea, yeah. but like, there might be some crazy things to know about it that I have. Right. I don't know that. There's the name <laughs> Kelly in there. Right. Sure. Oh I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with vague idea. Vague idea? Okay, Brian, we're going to start with you. Let, tell us what you know about the Kelly Blue Book. Well, you know, use it to look up cars. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. And uh, I would venture to say that it's a aggregate market of what cars are selling out there these days. And click... And price. <laughs> All right. Price. Great. Okay. Uh, John, can you add? Can you add to that? Yeah. Um, the Kelly Blue Book wasn't as like relevant to uh, the commercial, you know, car dealership market as like some of the other guides that they would use. Mm. Kelly Blue Book always seemed to have like a more optimistic um, appraisal of of cars. Um, but, you know, the one that, you know, when you go to sell your car, the one that they would use would be the NADA guide. Oh. Okay. But that's something about the NADA guide, not necessarily about the Blue X. No, but that's, hey, that's interesting. So, I didn't know that it was... The, so it sounds like it came out in the Reagan era with the Good Morning America, you know, the sunny side up kind of thing. It's actually very old. Oh, okay. But, <laughs> John, do you have anything else to add? Sorry, John. <laughs> No, Shannon, Shannon, the pass. What do you, you you just pass them? You got okay, it. Great. Cars, um, cars are involved. It's a blue book, and it was uh, the, originally invented by a man named Richard Kelly in the 1920s. Good Between old. writing uh, Donnie Darko and uh, Southland Tales, <laughs> no, oh, this is his grandfather. His oh, grandfather. Okay. And. Um, <laughs> And uh, it was invented when he was uh, trying to sell his car during the Depression. And See, we, we have a new rule where if you bullshit like this, you're going to lose the point. And oh, I was going to give you a no. point for saying that it was blue. Because no one said that the book is actually it blue. Is, it is actually blue. I didn't know about the bullshit rule. Oh, well, you have to listen to episode three of the show that you weren't on. I haven't gotten that far um, yet. Damn it. <laughs> I'm glad I know now. So, uh... Great job. I'm, I'm gonna give I'm gonna give Brian a point. I'm gonna give John a point. Shannon, you're gonna get half a point. So I believe that puts you at two. It puts John at, at one and Shannon at one and a half. No, just one. At one because two halves make a whole. Yep. Aww. That's very sweet. <laughs> you found your missing piece. Um, the missing so, army bone. <laughs> uh, the company began as the Kelly Car Company, spelled K-A-R, and founded by Les Kelly in 1918. So he, uh, he and his younger brother, Buster, worked at uh, the car lot where they sold, I guess, three Model T Fords or something was how they started this. And then they started publishing the first blue book in 1926, which became a standard guide in the automotive trade for determining car value. Um, in 1995, they created their website, 
and then they were purchased by Auto Trader in 2010. Oh, and in 2013, they formed an alliance with Baitauto Holdings Limited to expand into China. So, hey, however you say Kelly Blue Book in Chinese, people are saying it. You say, hey, Buster. Hey, Buster. <laughs> hey, Buster. <laughs> you shouldn't. Anybody know any Buster Rhymes? If you really want to party with me. <laughs> okay. Well, hey, great. Uh, that gets us through the Kelly Blue Book question. It's thrilling. Uh, uh, oh, geez. Well, who won, though? John, you won. John. John, pick, pick between uh, one and eight. Um, I'll take the first one again. You're going back to one. Okay, John. Do you know about, do you kind of get, or do you only have a vague idea about Kanye West's recent politics? Jeez, um, I kind of don't really want to know about this. <laughs> I think you're with that, a lot of people. That that. A, um, I, I guess I have kind of a vague idea about that. Okay, vague idea. Shannon, Kanye West's recent politics. Um, I'm gonna say I kind kind of know. Kind of get it. I kind of get it. All right. You kind of get it. Brian, you kind of get it too? Yeah. Okay, great. John, we're going to start with you, and then we're just going to move in a uh, clockwise way. Um, he was kind of rambling something at, at the White House in the Oval Office the other day. Um, I'm afraid I don't have too much of a recollection of what he actually said, um, aside from uh, whatever was on Saturday Night Live that week. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, which probably wasn't too far away from uh, where he was at to begin with. Um, Something about Superman, um, about Superman being his favorite, and about um, (laughs) you're really, really close. (laughs) He's like trying to partner up with the president on something. He's wearing a one of those red caps that was so famous during Mm -hmm. the election. I think he tackled a Taylor Swift dummy as well. well That's a good well, joke. Was that? That's a good joke, Brian. It's still not your turn, though. You're interrupting the game. I'm sorry. No, that was fine. That was fine. No, but... it's okay. Uh, Shannon, go ahead. Sorry, okay, John. <laughs> that was good. That was good. Your your Superman comment. I'm just gonna I'm gonna put it out there right now that what he was saying is that wearing the MAGA hat makes him feel like Superman. That was his declarative when he was hanging out with the president in the Oval Office, I think, three weeks ago. Shannon, what can you, what can you add to Kanye West's recent politics? Well, I don't, I don't know what we mean by recent, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna go back a little bit. Okay. To this is the man that jumped on during Hurricane Katrina and said that George Bush doesn't care about black people. That is correct. And then all of a sudden, he's besties with Trump, and they're mm. hanging out all the time, and he's tweeting about him and how awesome he is. And everyone's like, Kanye, you've lost your mind. And he's like, no, really, Trump's the best. And then recently, so I don't know where the recent comes in Mm -hmm. here, but he has started to say that he has just been a pawn in the politics game and that he was being used by Trump and that he's going to stay out of it from now on. That's right. He he issued a a, a fervent tweet storm last week talking about how he's out of politics. He's disinterested. He's been abused. You have anything else? Poor Kanye. I know it's been oh, a rough life. I agree. Tough times. It's tough to be Kanye. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, he's admiring Superman, and so I don't know how far you get sometimes with that. But but it's a MAGA Superman, so it's my, oh, that's yeah, which is far very questionable. Get. I mean, that's we're getting into the Nazi Superman <laughs> and uh, 
that the bizarre world up. Superman. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Brian, can you add anything? Uh, the only thing I can add is that <clears throat> Kanye must have been the lone black man in Trump's rallies, and so that's why he's just totally done. You know, he was just there, and then he decided to up his game a little bit, and yeah. And so he's, you know, he's disavowing that he was ever there at any rally. So that's that's great. Uh, so uh, the only thing that I can add is is he was way on board with Trump. It seemed he went on to Saturday Night Live. He uh, kind of filibustered following his last performance on the on the show, uh, which didn't air, but everybody saw it on on YouTube and Instagram later. Did he say, "I'm gonna let you finish. Uh, I'm gonna let you finish"? To <laughs> <laughs> Saturday Night Live. I'm gonna let you finish. Um, <laughs> He he uh, he had talked about just how uh, I don't know I think I think he was in this weird track of device the divisiveness of politics and thinking that like hey you gotta listen to this guy whatever I I don't think anybody knows necessarily what Kanye was thinking um, but he definitely uh, following I don't know uh, like two weeks after visiting the Oval Office he came out claiming that like no everybody's misusing me this isn't you know uh, I realize that I've been manipulated and this is crap. Um, that also followed him sponsoring, and now I can't remember, oh yes, uh, a, a clothing line called Blexit, which a female African-American conservative businesswoman started that is basically clothing to encourage black people to leave the Democratic Party behind. Oh, not um, to leave the EU. No. That's what it sounds like. Oh, yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> they, they, could, they could Blexit, yeah. Okay. Or Blacksit. It might be Blacksit. That sounds better. <laughs> And worse at the same time. Way to brand uh, it better. Anyway, uh, so Kanye was like, hey, I put my name on this just because nobody else would. I didn't realize what it was. And then it's all this kind of thing. Um, definitely a very complicated situation uh, for a talented and allegedly complicated individual. We're not going to get sued. Kanye, we, we, we love your music. He's a genius. Stop, stop doing <laughs> stuff that you don't need to do. Please. I mean, do all the good things. Just stop doing dumb things that allegedly dumb things that you don't need to do. I like that okay. you're talking to him. I'm just through trying. Our podcast. Hey, uh, the, the you never know. Very intimate. You never know. Very yeah. intimate. The the late registration graduation that that trilogy was like so good. Like, change, I I was not into hip hop until I listened to those records, and then I was like, oh, this is great. I'm really, and then I dug into other stuff, and uh, yeah. So, we wish you the best. Allegedly. <laughs> uh, so, uh, uh, John, you get a point. Yes. Shannon, two points. Woo-hoo. Brian, one point. Everybody tell me what your scores are real quick. Three. Three, three. points for Shannon. Three I points. Three. Tied at three. Oh, you're I didn't even do that again. on purpose. That's great. Okay. Whoops. Drop my phone. No, no. Don't undo typing. Cancel. Okay, great. Uh, Shannon. As the winner of the last round, you may pick a number. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. One through seven. Pick one. Five. Five. Okay. Shannon Page. Yes. Do you know about? Do you kind of get? Or do you only have a vague idea when it comes to Cockney rhyming slang? Oh! <laughs> oh! I kind of know about that. All right. Wow, that's a big bid. <laughs> 
going strong on Cockney Rhyming Slang. Brian Dixon, what's your bid for Cockney Rhyming Slang? Vague idea. Vague idea. John Peros? Is this going to be like a quiz? Like you're going to give us a, a rhyme and then we have to figure out what it means? Uh, no, but we could. I could I could come up with a list real quick. I think that would be fun, but I was just going to sort of talk about the the design of it. I'm out. I'm out. I bow out. <laughs> John wants nothing to do with the show anymore. Um, all right. Well, uh, Brian, since you are the remainder in with a low bid, tell us what you know about Cockney rhyming slang. Uh, I think it has to do with Oasis, and you <laughs> sing like them. And it's, Brian, you're, you're going to lose a point if you keep going. <laughs> You need no. a button. You need a stop. <laughs> stop bullshit button. <laughs> Nigel came back and he was still mad at his brother and he just decided to form his own <laughs> fractious group. It's Cockney Rhyme. All right. Uh, Cockney Rhyme is like is, is not a, a, an it's Oasis not band <laughs> offshoot as much as I would like it to be. Sam and maybe, and, and hey, you know, if 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 Nolan Liam listened to this, maybe you guys could like think about that. You could you could start a Cockney Rhyming Slang band. That could be fun. We'd love to hear from you. You were supposed to be the Beatles. <laughs> Paul McCartney even said you were bigger than Jesus. Allegedly, uh, Shannon, tell us about Cockney Rhyming Slang. Um, okay, so Cockney Rhyming Slang. I don't know when it started, but it was in the East End of London where. Cockney accents were. That is correct. Yeah. Ding. ding. <laughs> I don't have a ding, but I'm going to ding at it. I like it. Um, and the rhyming slang came about as a way to disguise what you were talking about so that other people that weren't Cockney would know. An example of which would be like, if you were going to take the stairs, you would say you're going to take the apples and pears. Uh-huh. And so it was a really sophisticated cryptography algorithm there. That's correct. Uh, but yeah, basically it was just coming up with rhymes for things that you wanted to talk about, but you kind of wanted to keep hidden, so you rhymed them. Is apples and pears also a, a Kavanaugh reference to some high school debauchery? <laughs> Beach week! Uh... <laughs> which rhymes with... I don't know. What, what would Beach Week? Never mind. That, we're not going to go here. Come on. Yeah, you, you got to be really good at rhyming. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this is perfect, Shannon. That's absolutely correct. 19th century is really the only thing. It was between 1880 and 1920 that it, that it originated. Um, some other examples include uh, dog as a slang word meaning telephone from the original phrase dog and bone. Okay? So all the Cockney rhyming slang gets shortened. So you, you would say... Uh, Okay, so like the British word Burke as an insult is short for Berkshire Hunt. And the only word you're rhyming with is hunt, which rhymes with a C word that I'm not going to say on the air. Thank you. But if you're calling somebody a bad name, you call them a Burke. And you were, meant, you were actually meaning to say you're a C word. Uh, other examples include wow. trouble, which means wife, from the original phrase trouble and strife. Or mincers, meaning eyes, rhyming with mince pies. Or syrup, which means wig. Syrup of figs, uh, let's see, frog, which is road, because frog and toad. Oh, frog and toad. <laughs> They're friends, right? You guys remember, remember frog remember and toad? I remember that book. nostalgic right now. I remember, I remember that book. That was yeah, a good book. Those were great. Shannon, that was, that was phenomenal. Um, yeah. Uh, anything else to add about Cockney Rhymes? Like, yeah, mm-hmm. Anything else you'd no. like to say? I mean, I like Oasis. I can add that. 
Would you say that today is going to be the day that you're going to throw it back, back to me? To you. I'm going to throw it back to you. Oh, well, hey, thanks, Shannon. <laughs> right now is going to be. Well, great. Yeah. Um, uh, Shannon, you get a point. <laughs> and Brian, you get no points. I didn't take any points away, though. I, I really could have. <laughs> John, no points, but you, you didn't want points anyway. So we're now at 4-3-3. <laughs> Uh, Shannon, pick again. One through six. Uh, three. Three. Ooh, this one is one that I think John Paris will know something about. Shannon Page, do you know about, do you kind of get, or do you only have a vague idea about blood doping? <laughs> blood doping? Mm-hmm. I really thought you were going to say a different word there. Like donation. Oh, like. Yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't expecting. Doping. <laughs> um. <laughs> I'm going to say, I only have, a, I'm going to say pass. You pass? Yeah. Shannon's going to pass. Brian, blood doping. Pass. Pass? Mm-hmm. John, you got a, you got a point here. All sure. you got to do is talk about it. Yeah. Uh, if you do a really good job, I might give you two points. Blood doping is like when um, an athlete will exercise and train his body, yes, um, but then... In the in the months leading up to competition, they'll take blood out of their body periodically, like in a controlled way. Mm-hmm. They'll store the blood, and then when it comes time to compete, they'll put the blood back in their body um, so that they have extra ability to you know uh, to transport nutrients throughout the body. What? This yeah. sounds like extra blood. This sounds like bloodletting from the medieval ages. No, yeah, you have you 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 have more red blood cells in your body because you've had the ones you've reproduced and you've got the ones that you're reinjecting into yourself, and so you can move oxygen much more quickly to your muscles, oh which God. allows you to be, I mean, prominently an efficient cyclist. Is where I've heard about blood doping. Yeah, I mean, it's um, really like one of those things that everybody's worried about when it comes to you know. Uh, the UCI regulating professional cycling. Well, and John, is there, there's a, uh, so some people will blood dope also by like sleeping at altitude for a period of time and taking the blood at altitude where now the blood is adjusted to pulling more oxygen out of a smaller amount of available oxygen to kind of train. I'm not real familiar Or is that, that might be something different, else. Like, methods of right. I think training at altitude is like a well-known and well-accepted practice. Mm-hmm. Like if you're, if, you know, you're going to be an Olympic athlete, like you'll have trained at Colorado Springs, which is at like pretty high up altitude. And that's yeah. why they put it there, I think. But if you train at altitude and take out your blood and then go back to sea level and put in your altitude blood. Then you're a super soldier serum. <laughs> yeah. And you can drink like 20 beers. No problem. <laughs> right. <laughs> you're on leave. <laughs> I mean, that's how everybody like at our altitude feels already. Like you don't have to do a lot of blood doping to have that. Oh, I, yeah, I love going back east and going out because I feel like, oh, well, I don't, I don't No, I hate it because I always don't feel tipsy, but I drink so much that I definitely feel hungover. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. not fair. No, it's not. <laughs> yeah, it's, well, yeah, because you're getting kind of like a, a, a false sense of confidence from your from your doped blood. Or from your altitude <laughs> blood, anyway. It's not doped. <laughs> How much blood can you put in your body? After it's bloodlet? No, if oh. you're just like, just if just like right now, somebody was like, "Hey, Shannon, you want some blood?" I'd be like, "Yeah, cool, hook me up." Where does it go? How right. much? How Where much? Does it go? Yeah, how much can you put? Because you can only lose so much. Right. I assume you can only I, add I so much. I think the thing is, though, like that the major portion of the blood is like 
is is like fluid is like water and you just piss it out so if you oh, if yeah. you add too much blood yes, you just piss it out. what you have left is like is is the nutrient dense stuff i don't know i'm, I'm looking i'm question. looking right now to see if there is how a, much blood a is volume, too blood? a top volume <laughs> Because what, what do they say? What, what are we, 12 pints or 8 pints? Yeah, I can't, I don't know. 8, eight, eight pints. pints. So yeah, what if you go up to 12 all of a sudden? Do you like explode like the girl in Willy Wonka? That's exactly the person I was thinking about. Oh my God. <laughs> but instead oh of full of blueberry, you are full of blood. <laughs> I want it now. <laughs> oh, Violet I want it now, Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> is You're it, talking Violet, Violet. Is it Violet? You're turning. No, no, no. I want it now. Oh. Is the squirrel slash golden egg? You're right. Depending on which You're movie. right. Sorry. Baruka, sweetheart. Baruka yeah. salt. Baruka yeah, Baruka salt. Yeah. Namesake of the band that existed. How much salt she is in the, the blood? One. No, she was the one that was the blueberry. <laughs> nice. Baruka yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're saying, we're saying no, if you put more blood one, in, wasn't she? do you become the blueberry? She was the blonde girl in the old one. Oh. And Violet was a brunette. Yes. In a blue dress. She's chewing she the, the gob. gobstopper. She's yeah. That she wasn't supposed to eat. Oh uh, yeah, okay. And the she wa- didn't gobstop, guys. <laughs> she gob kept going. <laughs> she wanted nice. that dope. She's John Paris. She was she was gobstopper. <laughs> Two points to you, sir. <laughs> yes, well deserved. That was that was well well stated. Thank you. Um, that was good and yeah. very informative. Yeah. I, I I had even confused the altitude aspect of it, and I'm glad because I looked it up, and it has nothing to do with the altitude. That's part of the training thing, like you said. I can't get any specifics on the amount of blood that you can put back in, though you take up to four units in a blood transfusion. So I would guess that you could probably only take four more back in. But like you said, I think it's, it's a lot of water weight. So who knows? Uh, if you know about it, tweet at me, at yes. Regolia, hashtag blood doping. <laughs> Oh, somebody please do that. Because <laughs> now we know how Nate gets drunk all the time. Right? <laughs> guys, running. guys, we're going to the bar later. I gotta, I gotta shoot up some of my own blood. Gotta fly back east. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, so John, you're at, you're at four or five? Uh, you're five. You gave him two, yeah, right? Yeah, five. you're at five. I get two. And four, I think. Three. I don't think. I it was mean, I'm at three points. I think it was worth one point. Well, no, I gave you no, two. No, that was worth two. That was, that was, that was really, good. That was really well stated. Informative and... and yeah. If uh, I got two for my Cockney rhyming slang, you got yeah. two for that blood doping. So we're at 5-4-3 now. Yeah. John, Shannon, Brian, respectively. Okay, John, uh, you may choose between the remaining five topics, one through five. I'll choose the first one, Alex. You just... <laughs> hey, you know what's funny? Is you're making a Jeopardy reference, but Alec is also in the topic that you chose. John's... Do you know about, do you kind of get, or you only have a vague idea when it comes to Alec Baldwin's parking punch? This is recent news. No, I'm afraid that kind of news <laughs> escapes me, Nate. I'm sorry. That's that's fine, John. That's I'm fine. Uh, we can pass. Shannon. I'm going to, what what's the middle one? I kind of know. I kind of know. You kind of get it. I kind of yeah. get it. I okay, kind of get great. it. And, and Brian. I'm escaping his fist of fury on this one. You, you, I you pass? pass. Okay. Shannon, this is for just a point, as long as you can give us a... Alec Baldwin was in the East Village in New York, and somebody took his parking place, and he punched him, and he got arrested, and he got taken to the 6th Street District, which I know, because it was the district by where I used to live, where the all the um, 
What's the motorcycle gang? The Harley... Hells Angels. The Hells, Hells Angels, Angels were yes. nearby, and I always thought that was funny. Anyway, so he was taken to that um, that precinct and eventually let go. And I know there's been more since then, but I haven't caught up. I mean, he punched more people? Is that what you mean? No, 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 no. Like, <laughs> like the guy, the guy he punched has come out oh, and like, talked sorry. about okay. it, and he's been like, no, I didn't really punch the guy. I don't know. There's oh, been a okay. lot more like in the press about it. That was that's perfect. You, you get a point for that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Just the latest in Alec Baldwin's kind of weird volatility saga, where he's yelling at people, punching people. Uh, oh, and arrested. it happened the day his new show came out. Oh, the Alec Baldwin show. He has a new show, and it was Hulu. the same day. Hey Hulu, you know we could use a sponsor. Alec Baldwin show. Come on, <laughs> at Nate Rigoli on Twitter. All right, great. <laughs> Hashtag Hulu. <laughs> Hashtag Hulu. Hashtag, Hashtag that parking spot. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag parking punch. Um, great. Shannon, you get another point. So uh, let's see. So John's at five. Shannon's at five. Brian, you're, you're bringing up the rear with three. Shannon Page, you can pick one through four. Oh, uh, let's do two. Two. Shannon Page, do you know about, do you kind of get, or do you only have a vague idea about the concept of faith branding? Oh, that pass. pass. You passing? Passing on faith brand? I mean, I could BS about it probably a lot, but I don't want to lose any points. All right. Brian, faith branding? Do you have a... You have Vague a, idea. This is, this is one that, yeah, I mean, I, I picked this. It's a little bit, yeah, uh, we'll see. John, faith branding. No, I'm afraid I don't know. I think it's making a good face. No? Yeah. It's a good of, face. Lots of, lots of head shaking. Okay. You kind of look like the emoji, the grimacing emoji, where mm-hmm. the, yeah, with the teeth. Yeah, that's what you got going on. <laughs> I, really, I like that emoji a lot, too. It's probably I use it. my favorite. I use cause it a it's lot. Because it's both, it's like, it's happy, or it's like, I don't know what's going to happen. Which is great. Because sometimes that's exactly what life is, is you're happy, but you don't know what's going to happen. I mean, actually, that's most of life. This has been the Philosophy Corner. Brian, <laughs> tell us what you know about faith branding, since you have a vague idea. Well, ever since George Michael died, uh, you know, they've <laughs> taken oh, this... Oh, Brian, you're going to lose another point if you go down this road. <laughs> they've taken this song. <laughs> and, uh, if you can name one product that uses that song, I think you should get all A lot of proselytizing evangelicals yeah. have used it in their background when they've come on stage to Let's praise see. Jesus. Oh, well, for real? No. Faith Wham Advertising. I'm going to look it up. If you can come up with an advertisement or company that has used faith, I will give you a point. If not, uh, no A company? Well, Hobby Lobby. <laughs> or Chick-fil-A. But like one that actually... Did. i got to have faith in the chicken. <laughs> <laughs> or faith in the hobby. Faith, faith in arts and crafts. I mean, you know, uh, yarns have kept us together for a long time. Yes. So his, so his other stuff. Um, yeah, that's that's not that's not what I was going for. Oh, um, that's okay. Darn. No points for anyone. Uh, faith branding is a concept about uh, branding faith, which I mean that makes a lot of sense because those are the words in the category. Mm-hmm. But it's about religious organizations, leaders, or media programming using traditional marketing techniques to penetrate the culture. 
So you're... Uh, the culture as in mainstream culture? Yeah. You're, you're Joel, Secular culture? You're Joel Osteen's, your uh, late night people who tell you to send money so they can pray for the money and then pray for you and then they're going to send you more money back. But so you're going to start do. to get Facebook ads. Right. Yeah. So, so yeah. Okay. And, and apparently... So this is... The reason I, I included this, because this was a long shot question anyway, but uh, fake branding began in the 15th century. The marketing strategy for the Bible was describing the product and offering it for immediate purchase, which, I mean, that seems pretty... Ah, pretty, forgiveness pretty of awesome. sins. Right. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, in the 19th century, companies and manufacturers began to change the way that they promoted their products, and they started talking about the features and benefits, including the ways that the Bible could make life simpler. Now, if you ask me, the Bible hasn't made life simple for many people. <laughs> to make it more complicated. And Luther but, had to go uh, and screw it all up. Allegedly. <laughs> it's made it simpler for the hotel industry. They don't have to think about what's put in their drawers. Oh man, those Gideons are really helpful oh. too. They're just like Johnny Appleseed with Bibles. Right. We're back to the Beatles. Oh, <laughs> Rocky Raccoon. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh, hey, nice. Oh, That's a good find one, Brian. Bible. Yeah. Yes. Oh, All right. right. Okay. Well, no one gets a point there. Oh, darn. Um, so let's see. We're just going to go around the circle. Brian, you get to pick the next one. One through three. Oh, good old three since I'm in the rear. All right. Three in the rear for Brian. <laughs> <laughs> Tweet at Nate Regolia, hashtag three in the rear for Brian. Um, <laughs> Come on, people. Brian Dixon, do you know about, do you kind of get, or do you only have a vague idea about Phineas Gage? Oh. Too many Phineas. Um, I gotta pass. You, you gonna pass? Yeah, I gotta pass. You, you, have, you, have you heard it in some context? I mean, you could get a vague idea half point for knowing about it. I'm afraid, Nate, my vague ideas have not gone over too well. <laughs> well, you've been making a lot of stuff up, in fairness. <laughs> This is this is the first time on the show. Like we're gonna get you back. Uh, you know the ideas are not sticking on the wall, so we gotta keep moving. All right, <laughs> John Paris, Phineas Gage. What do you? How do you feel? Uh, I kind of know about that one. Kind of know it. All right, great, Shannon. Oh, then I'm gonna pass. You gonna pass? <laughs> I definitely. If if anything, I'd be guessing. Okay. Thank you, Shannon. All right. Yeah. <laughs> John, hit so, us hit us with some Phineas Gage knowledge. So. I may not get this era just perfect, but it was kind of um, industrial age, like maybe kind of in between, uh, uh, like at the end of the 19th century, something like that. Um, Close. Yeah. They, uh, uh, this guy was in an industrial accident. I can't remember what he was doing. Oh, it's that guy. But he, I knew he, I knew it. <laughs> that guy? That guy. He had a... He had a spike that was driven through his head. That's right. Um, and it completely penetrated his skull and, and his brain. Uh-huh. Um, and um, he, was, he was able to walk and talk. And for the most part, he was okay after the accident. Um, except that he developed like a wicked temp- temper. Like he used to be a really mild-mannered person. And then he just got like, just angry all the time. So was he? They left the spike in his. That's head. what I was gonna ask. <laughs> <laughs> was he angry about that or something else? I mean, right, exactly, <laughs> right. 
It's like, I've got a spike in my head. I don't think he was really even aware of what had happened to him. Like, it was kind of like this oddity that they, they took and wanted to study him. Like, it was like some phrenologic... Uh, uh, I'm butchering that word, but it was like a phrenology experiment to mm-hmm. see, like, you know, what regions of the brain were affected and how that affected his personality. Maybe they could map it that way. That was kind of in the Wow. How much did the Ringling Brothers bid for his services? They, they, they didn't have a chance. Oh, so, gosh. Uh, John, perfect. Nice. That's, that's a point, my friend. That was well done. Jeez. Uh, so Phineas Gage was 1823 to 1860 was his lifespan. He was a an American railroad construction foreman. Oh wow! And uh, when driving, so when oh, they when rail they splitters. yeah, so when they did the rail splitter, they would drive a rod in, and it would have like gunpowder underneath it, so that you could actually get it into the ground really, really deeply. And this time it backfired, and the rod goes right through his under his chin, out through the top of his head. Oh! Uh, he survives this, but it destroyed much of his frontal lobe. Which left him with a major personality shift, as John said. He went from being, by all reports, a mild-mannered, lovely man to be around, to just, like, a real raging asshole with a drinking problem and all sorts of stuff. Um, And it's one of the earliest, like, we-can-study-the-brain psychology experiment sort of things. Um, It's long known as the American Crowbar case. And once termed, quote, deserves better than that. The case which more than all others is calculated to excite our wonder, impair the value of prognosis, and even to subvert our psychological doctrines. Now, isn't that a catchy slogan? (laughs) I mean, aren't we? I'm pretty sure that's the exact slogan of Coca-Cola from its invention, too. Uh, Allegedly. Uh, Coca-Cola, you can sponsor the show, too. Uh, Allegedly. Uh, So, great. Uh, John, so you're at five <laughs> points? I think that's six. Six points for John. Shannon's at five. Mm-hmm. Brian's at three. Ew, lonesome over here. Lonesome for Brian. Uh, John Peros, there's two left. Uh, I'll take the first one again. You should go with the first one. <laughs> Reliably the number one. Okay, John Peros, do you know about, do you kind of get, or do you only have a vague idea about Charles Manson and the Beach Boys? Oh, uh, I've got an idea about that. Sure. Just a, I'll, I'll go in the middle there. You, okay, you, you kind of get, get it. kind of get it. Kind of get it. Okay, Shannon? Um, like, when you ask this question, are you talking about them together? Or do you want, just, is this like two questions in one? No, no. Like, I know about Charles Manson, yeah. and I know about the Beach Boys. No, 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 no. Them together. Like, oh. They're in conjunction. They're, they're, yeah. they're overlap. They're, if there was a Venn, Venn diagram. Yep, uh-huh. Yeah, then no. Okay, you pass. Pass. Him? <laughs> pass. All right, Brian, Charles Manson, and the Beach Boys. Vague idea. Vague idea. Okay, you start us out since you're the low bit. What What's your vague idea about Charles Manson and the Beach Boys? Well, uh, that he was listening to Good Vibration over and over again when, you know, he committed suicide. He didn't commit suicide. Charles Manson committed suicide. (laughs) (laughs) He's still alive, isn't he? Is he still? Is he still alive? No, he died in prison. I think. He did die in prison. Fairly recently, though. I think it was like last year. Okay. I mean, I'm going to check that because I I don't want. We're not going to peddle lies around here. Right, but this is a cult (laughs) from the 70s, isn't it? Well, yeah. Yeah. Charles Manson. That's what I meant. Manson family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were both in California. November 19th of 2017 is when Charles Manson passed away. Oh, wow. Super recently. Really recent. Um, A year. Wait, what's the date? It's less than a year ago. 
it's we're almost, still under it's the Manson almost, death moon. <laughs> it's almost exactly one year ago. If you um, release this in 11 see, that's days. that's good vibrations. That's what I think. <laughs> so I, I, think, I think, Brian, that you're, you're thinking about Helter Skelter. Uh, Beatles song. The Beatles. Oh, yeah. the summer. That, that Manson was <laughs> obsessed with and, and saw as the uh, impetus for the black versus white race war that was going to happen, which is why he moved the family to the Nevada desert. That's right. I like um, the idea of him listening to Good Vibrations over and over again. Right? I was just, He's I mean, like, good, He has a feeling. Good, That's what I'm good, thinking. You good know, good Vibrations. Like, <laughs> I think, I think Good Vibrations came out like <laughs> late enough that it might not have been a... I, th- I think at this point, point though, we should but, move on to John. So we yeah, can add actually, on to this. he actually knows. John, 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 tell, us, tell us what you know about. <laughs> tell us what you know about Charles Manson and well, the Beach Boys. And the Beach Boys. See, I was thinking of when he called the Beatles the Four Horsemen of the, of the Apocalypse. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. It's that Venn diagram. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, yep. I was thinking of. Okay. Okay. But I don't think that's what we're talking about now. Well, um, can I try and throw something out there? Us, it, it's, not bullsh- it's not bullshit because I feel like it's bubbling up in my head. The big idea is a good bubbling. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think that he stayed with them at one point. That's correct. Wow. With he the stayed, Beatles? He stayed with, yeah, with the, Beach the Beach Boys. With the Beach Boys. Like, like they were like, he oh, there's one like, of them. was it, was it? Wasn't Kevin Love's dad, was it? No. Oh, I, okay. It was. It was like. It was like. Oh, Nobody here's this like. Him. Here's this like groovy hippie dude, and he's gonna hang out with us for a bit. Mm-hmm. And then after a while, they were like, "This guy's kind of weird. Mm-hmm. We don't hang out with him anymore." Yeah. Yeah, Shannon, you're you're right. I'm gonna give you a point for for that because that's absolutely correct. So for a period of time, Charles Manson stayed with Dennis Wilson, the handsomest of the Beach Boy brothers of the Wilson brothers, uh, and they he let like yeah Manson hung out of his house. And Manson was thinking that this was going to be his inroad to the music career that he had wanted the entire time since he moved to San Francisco. Yes, yes. Like he came to California out of jail. Interesting. Manson gets out of jail, I think somewhere in the Midwest. Uh, he moves to California thinking like, okay, I'm going to be a musician. The 60s are happening. This is going to be my thing. So he ends up playing a song for Dennis Wilson, I believe called Cease to Begin. Cease to Exist. Manson's song Cease to Exist. Uh... Which he he gives to them, and they're like, "No, nah, man, you suck. You're not good. We're not going to do this." But then what happens? He's just not a beach boy. Well, he's just like not. if you would have like Ozzy Osbourne or something like that. Like it would have been totally different. Well, but here's the thing that's crazy: is okay. So the Beach Boys take the melody from "Cease to Exist." Oh. They remove Manson's lyrics. They take the melody and they make a song called "Never Learn Not to Love." which they actually recorded and appears on an album. I can't remember which one. <laughs> Crazy, right? So Charles Manson wrote part of a Beach Boys song, and he stayed with Dennis Wilson for a long time, and Dennis Wilson kicked him out eventually because he was like, hey, you're a creep, and this is weird, and you're like <laughs> trying to drop LSD and all the girls that... Basically, the, the, my understanding is Dennis Wilson was like, okay, cool, you're bringing girls over to my house. Stay as long as you want. It was an era when misogyny ran rampant under the guise of free love, and though there was probably some free love fairly in there, uh, it got pretty gross, too. Um, <laughs> Manson died in 2017, as we said, and Dennis Wilson died in 1983. At the age of only 39, he drowned in the waters off of Marina Del Rey. He mm-hmm. also had, like, a drug and alcohol problem. But he has a really beautiful record, uh, which I'm going to look up real quick, because didn't everybody it, should listen to it. Didn't, didn't a biopic come out about him a couple years ago? Oh, I don't know. Pro- you're probably right. 
here's, Pacific here's, Ocean Blue is his is his record from 1977. It's really good. You can hear the gravel in his voice because of the drugs and the smoking and the drinking. Uh, beautiful stuff. Anyway, Shannon, sorry. I was gonna say I have a, I have a fun fun Beach Boys fact. At least it's fun for me. I'm named after. Um, I'm not sure which one. It might be Dennis's dead dog. Whoa! Yep. There was a song by Henry Gross called Shannon mm-hmm. that was about one of the Beach Boys' dog that drowned in the ocean. I think it was Dennis's. I'm not quite sure. Jeez. And my parents named me after that song. So Aww. technically I'm named after a dead dog. Xander? Aww. Yeah, Xander's getting jealous. I can see it. <laughs> Uh, my my first my first page of Google search I can't find anything about about a dead dog. Look at Although Henry... there are lots of Dennis the Menace, Dennis and the Dog links. <laughs> Henry Gross was the guy who wrote the song, Henry and he Gross. was a friend of the Beach Boys. Henry Gross, Shannon. Okay, great. All right. This is thrilling for our listeners. To hey, listen you guys to are having Googling. a great time. We're gonna <laughs> we're gonna cut out all these gaps. You're, you're gonna be fine. Uh, 1976 song it was written about the death. Of Carl Wilson's Irish setter ah. of the same name. Still, definitely a Beach Boys dog. That's that's cool. So, what was your parents' attraction to the name? Or to they the liked dog? the song. They liked the song, and that was it. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. All right. And then afterwards, they realized what the song was about. Oh. And they went, "Oh, we just named our kid after a dead dog." <laughs> ah. Yeah, you know all the people that named their kids Hitler after that song. <laughs> <laughs> By Mary Chapin Carpenter. No, I allegedly. Uh, oh my god! He said that that Hitler was the second coming of Christ and the Beatles were yes. the four horsemen of the apocalypse, right? Oh, it all oh there you go. Yes. Wow, bringing it around. It was all coalescing. So, because I'm on this Wikipedia page for this song, Shannon, I have to bring up there is a an entry here called the Casey Case of Incident. <laughs> yes. That says the following. <laughs> Shannon is remembered for being the subject of a profanity-laced tirade by American Top 40 host Casey Kasem while recording the September 14th uh, 1985 show. A listener in Cincinnati, Ohio, requested Shannon as a long-distance dedication to his own recently deceased dog named Snuggles. <laughs> Kasem was upset that the show's producers had placed the dedication immediately following the Pointer Sisters' hit Dare Me, an up-tempo song that he considered a poor lead-in to such a sad song as Shannon. So he didn't, uh, didn't originally air the broadcast. But apparently there are outtakes that are out there, so if you want to hear Casey Kasem say, uh, the F word, I'm assuming. I mean, I don't know. What could he say? Uh, F that dog. Swear, swearing, swearing was different back then, let's be honest. Um, great. Well, uh, let's see. So, Shannon, you got a point? Yay. Great. And, Shannon, you get to pick the last topic. What about John? Oh, well, John, you get a half a no, point. No, it wasn't on topic. No, you're right. It really wasn't. <laughs> nice try, Brian. <laughs> You get a point for trying to advocate for that. And I give you that primarily because you have no chance of winning. Um, and I love you for it. Uh, Shannon, the last topic. Do you know? Do you kind of get? Or do you only have a vague idea about Apocalypse Now? Oh, I'm going to go with Apocalypse. Apocalypse Now. I'm going to go with a vague idea. A vague idea. Vague idea. Brian, Apocalypse Now. Vague idea. Vague idea. John? I know that one. You know? John. John. Okay. Shannon, start us off. Okay. Uh, War movie? 
not as good as the documentary about the war movie, which is called Heart of Darkness. Great. The cover of the video is like a sunset over a jungle. Uh-huh. And I've never seen it, so that's as much as I You've got. You've never seen it? I've never seen it. Okay, well, well we're going to have to remedy that. Yeah. It's, it's I on, would watch it again. I think I've seen it like four times. It's so on I, like I, I, all I of my watch lists. It's like on my okay. Prime watch list, my Netflix watch list. It's like, but I, yeah. Anyway. I'm never we're, like, oh, you know what I feel like doing right now? Watching Apocalypse Now. It's, it's not that kind of movie. Yeah, there's really no mood to be in for that. Yeah. It, it, you sort of, yeah, you have to subject yourself to It's kind of like the Killing to... Fields, I would say. That same kind of movie. Yeah, yeah, there's, it's got a similar energy. Yeah. yeah. I've never yeah. seen that either. Um, I'll put it on Netflix and, <laughs> and Redbox and whatever else is on the list. <laughs> Blood doping. Blood. Oh Contact the Carlsberg people. <laughs> okay. Uh, Brian? Uh, Vietnam War. Yep, Vietnam War is correct. Um... And other than that, I don't know much else. I haven't seen it. Oh, thank you. Holy shit. Okay. John, the points are yours. Well, well, no, can I add something (laughs) else, though? Because there's a question maybe to the general populace of of right now. uh, Heart of Darkness, is that based off of Conrad? Well, yes. Apocalypse Now is based off of Heart of Darkness by Joseph Conrad. Yeah, that's all yep. I wanted to yep. Okay. Yeah. Right, go ahead, John. Which John was probably going to add, and you're going to get the points anyway, so <laughs> we're just going <laughs> to talk so about it. Because this is interesting. that's way wrong. Like, um, so, like, kind of uh, um, golden age of American cinema, for sure. Uh, Francis Ford Coppola. Did yes! That. I forgot the director. Um, and it's got Martin Sheen, I think, is, mm-hmm. the, is the lead role. That's right. And he's like got this new mission, um, and it kind of starts with him um, in a in a I guess a Hanoi, uh, or sorry, one of the he's he's in he's in Vietnam like getting ready to uh, go up the the Mekong Delta to um, basically this um, enclave that um, kind of a rogue American soldier has like set up um, to. Um, to basically fight the war in a way that is very much um, uh, like a guerrilla style mm-hmm. um, and and using you know fewer more dedicated men is kind of the, t- the tag for him um, you know it's it's like this this really awesome um, story I, John's going to go into, like, a shot-by-shot shot recap. I don't want to, like, bore anybody, but it's worth... Um, no, you didn't bore me at all. It's I worth mean, checking yeah. out. Jeez. It's so good. No, and it is. It's, it's it, int- yeah. The Heart of Darkness is, um, you know, Colonel Kurtz, which is... Um, who is basically turned and gone beyond what, you know, is considered good by the military... And he's gotten to be That's so... That's a long way to go to consider... He's gotten to be so <laughs> good at killing people. That's and, one of the points and of the film. he's gotten to be so... <clears throat> sort of. Ruthless. Um, is he that, the one that says, I love the smell of napalm in the morning? No, that's that's another guy. That's, but that's that, that movie, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, what a great Robert, Robert Duvall. Yeah, Robert Duvall. Duvall plays an army sergeant who uh, flies uh, Marlowe, or well, his name isn't Marlowe, but it's it's... Martin Sheen's character flies him into the front to the delta of the river so they can go up on the boat 
and uh, Duvall's character only wants to surf. Like he's it there. The, the movie is interesting because it's like... He's not like single-pointed. Like yeah. you could see you needed to be in that situation to win that war. He's so distracted and like willing to, yeah, be on the beach just so that everybody could experience a surf there. Like, right. It's like beyond boredom. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah, I mean, it's, it, you know, the, the overall thing of it is it's, it's, it takes the book, The Heart of Darkness story... Updates it for Vietnam and basically says, like, look at how absurd it is that we put boys in this situation to fight this thing when they're not prepared to. And we put people in these situations to use this this technology of war against people with no technology because there's a lot of sort of... There's a scene where they play Flight of the Valkyries by Wagner. Oh, and the helicopters are coming in. Da, 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 da. And that's when they basically show up and they just shoot a bunch of villagers and land. Robert Duvall says, I love the smell of napalm in the morning. And he says... And then they're like, surf's up, boys. Get out there. he says, Charlie, don't surf. Yeah, Charlie, don't surf. And it's so it's just loaded with, like... It's about the racism of the war. It's about the way the war... I mean, John's John's earlier statement about, you know... Kurt's, Marlon Brando's character, is seen as, like, going too far. But sort of the thesis is, like, well, is there a too far when it's war? And when the goal is to kill people and take their stuff? Like... What is the too far? So that's sort of the, the, the question mark. And it's, it, yeah, I mean, ultimately, I think Shannon's right, too, that the documentary is more interesting. I think as a film, it's pretty good, but it's sort of like, can't, it doesn't, it doesn't state anything fully enough. It's like gasps of sort of belief systems, but it doesn't have its own perspective beyond the fact that, like, it was filmed in Vietnam. It took something like eight or nine months to film. And everybody got sick. And it was just this whole terrible thing. And they had to do all these massive rewrites because Brando was like 200 pounds heavier than they expected him to be. So they had to shoot him from below in shadow to make him look hulking but not overweight. It, but that's why the documentary is so compelling. Um, yeah, John, sorry. I cut you off. but No, I would, I would argue that you know the end that is shot like in that really kind of mystical way mm-hmm. um, you know with that kind of like uh, poetry that you get from Conrad it's like so like I think it's so on point and like it delivers that what you're trying to say about about war and you know what is too far and when is it like that you right. that you've gone beyond like you know being human you know and I, I don't know I thought well, it was interesting no I think that. I think you're dead right because like the it, it, yeah the, the the ending of the film crosses Martin Sheen attacking Kurtz with the villagers who Kurtz is sort of convinced he is their god slaughtering a, a water buffalo. And this is like the animals slaughtered on film, which is really unsettling to watch. It's really traumatic. Because yeah. they like chop it behind the neck and you see the bone split and the flesh rip open and you're seeing Martin Sheen emerge from the water and go in and he's going to go stab Kurtz in his bed and... You know the the spoiler the one alert. <laughs> spoiler alert for a fifty year old movie, uh, but but yeah, it's I yeah I think I think what's interesting is that it's it is it's the kind of movie that you guys should definitely watch because there is so much capacity for debate about how successful it is, and I want to rewatch it because I well I last watched the the Redux or Redo depending on how you want to pronounce that, which adds something like an hour of time where there's a scene where uh, Martin Sheen's character is hanging out with a bunch of French plantation owners 
because Vietnam was owned by the French, or colonized by the French. I'll take a walk that back. Colonized by the French. The but Vietnamese it, were pushing the French out. But it plays as like a dream sequence. But it like does. It, doesn't it plays play like a like... dream sequence, and it's sort of, it's really weird, because it's so long, and it's so in the middle of this movie, where you get this bite of civilization. It's like an opium haze. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, you know, hey, after the show, let's get that opium going, huh? <laughs> if you want to sponsor us with opium, <laughs> at Nate Regolia, hashtag opium forever. Do you go too far when you do Duvall and Sheen and Tough Guys? Oh, you know, I haven't seen that. Okay. I need to see that. Is uh, it good? Do you like it? No, it's fucking terrible. It's terrible? It's terrible. Yeah, you can say the F word. We're fine. <laughs> no, I always put the... It's, it's more explicit. Yeah, oh, it's terrible. Yeah. Right. I thought since we were talking about Tough Guys. Oh, yeah. Throughout the movie Tough Guys. So that's it. Anyway. <laughs> well, hey, John, you get a point for that. What is it? How many points do you have now? Seven? Yeah. Seven points. John has seven points. Shannon, you have... I think five. Five? Brian has three? Well, hey, John, you won! I won. You have won a vague idea. You have taken (laughs) Shannon's belt slash trophy slash whatever away from her. I was undefeated. At least for temporaries. Um... You, you've qualified for what I'm so planning grimace, to do. Grimace, grimace face. face. <laughs> <laughs> I, I intend to have a special episode where we bring everybody who's won on, if if possible, like yeah. without it getting too big. It we'll might be like a fourth thing. Theater. But yeah, you know, the, oh, there you go. It's a, ooh, a special. Hey, if the Bug Theater wants to host this, tweet <laughs> at me. No, no, you're not going to. I mean, you might. I, the Bug could, the in bug theory. Might. Yeah. Well, Guys, great job. John, congratulations. Dude, yes. Brian, thank you so much for playing. Thank you. You, you were entertaining. Uh, I, You know, we're going to have you back. A, a, a three entertaining. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> hey, this isn't, the score is not a measure of your character or anything like that. I want to be very clear that a vague idea is not about judgment. I'm it's not about judging love. you. I'm just assigning you a point value. Yeah. I'm just grading you so in kind. comparison to your peers for the purposes of... No. Uh, but thank you so much for being on, and I hope that you had a good time, and I'd like to have you back on sometime, Oh, it was too. great. Great. Good. Well, we'll get you back. Shannon, how do you feel? I mean, you, you lost on your home turf in the Edward Scissorhandsy Castle of Doom. I was feeling good till you till you pointed that out. <laughs> I know. Isn't it see that makes everything darker. Well, now we're going to have to have a rematch. I want a rematch. Okay, well we'll we'll have a rematch then. All right. Well, hey, you guys have John, you have anything to plug? You want to say anything to the audience? Uh, I just like to remind people to get out and ride their bikes. Do it. Get out and ride your bikes, guys. Shannon, anything to say? Uh, nope. Nope. <laughs> Brian uh, I hope you got on your bike and voted. Yeah, damn right. I hope we we definitely hope you voted. Um, we'll be hoping you voted probably for the next two years or more. Uh, so thank you very much for listening to a vague idea. This is Nate Regolia. Tweet at me at Nate Regolia. Hashtag whatever the fuck. Actually, yeah. Hashtag whatever the fuck. We'll go with that. All right. This has been a vague idea. Bye. 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 A Vague Idea is written and produced by me, Nate Regolia, with Shannon Page and John Peros. If you like this podcast and you like anime, you should check out my podcast with Sean Grolkowski called You Better Believe This. That's found at moleholeradio.com. If you like science fiction books, you should check out the press that Sean and I started. It's called Spaceboy Books, and you can find us at readspaceboy.com. 
www.ghostbusters.com.